podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic had the chance to go top of the table at Tynecastle this afternoon, but couldn't take it after a, a game littered with serious uh, VAR decisions. But there's all that and so much more to cover. This is Tino with the Final Whistle Show, joined here by Bridal. Bridal, your initial response to that game at Tynecastle? Hey, <laughs> a bit of anger, I suppose. Uh, disappointment. Uh, big chance to kind of have a wee break for the league. For a while, I think it's a couple of weeks we'll be playing the next league game. A chance to just finish that on top, and we didn't take the we didn't take the opportunity, albeit not really aided by decisions, if you like. But uh, even with ten men, I felt that we could have done a lot more than we did. Do you think that's the thing? Because it's it's easy and lazy just to come in and, and blame VAR and decisions, and we'll get to that because they played a, a huge part. Um, but ultimately, it's still in Celtic's gift. Yes, you're 10 men, day 11. But there's no doubt it's such a, a long way back when it you know when it goes to that stage. Um, what do you think, just, just in kind of general terms? Celtic's fault, VAR fault, ref fault. What's your kind of balance on it? It's just breaking up a bit. Um, it's... Uh... I mean, yeah, decisions go against teams, right? That's that's fine. Ten men after fifty minutes is tough, you know, and it is tough. But I just feel like we were quite we were passive, and in the moments that that count, we just didn't do what we have to do. You know, when you're doing ten men, you're not going to get as much. You're not going to get as much control of the game. So you need to when you've got the ball, we need to protect it. And we, I don't think we did that well. And if there's too many players that um, either didn't want to make forward passes and take that slight risk. Or when they got it, their control was bad or their final pass was bad. And several players were worse than others. And I don't want to, you know, name the same names and stuff. I thought Greg Taylor was terrible. I thought uh, Iwata was poor. I thought Maida's, he runs so hard and he runs a lot. And it's important when you've got 10 men. But his quality just, you know, the ball's just decision-making. Um, I thought Ida had a good game and Kyogo made a difference when he came on. But when Kyogo came, when Kyogo came on, I felt the shape didn't really help us. Um, it helped us in the moments he was there, but it just didn't help us uh, get a grip of the game for long enough periods to sustain any any kind of pressure. And it, and ultimately, we were feeding off scraps, really, in the end. That's what it came down to. We weren't creating clear-cut chances, and actually, to a huge extent, we were struggling, really, to get out our own half. Hearts pressed high and aggressively, but that's easy to do or easier to do when you're 11v10. It completely changes the dynamics of the game and it nullifies our high press. That, that's a big part of what Celtic do. And without Yang, you need to shuffle the pack and it, and it really does change things. Let's get to the key moments. So Celtic are the ones that get the benefit of the, not a VAR decision, just the referee in play spots it as a, as a foul in the box. And Celtic have got a huge opportunity to go 1-0 up. Adam Eder, he's been great since he came. I thought he was decent again today. He's the man who scored two penalties in Edinburgh already uh, against Hibs not so long ago. And you're comfy and confident that he's the man stepping up. I don't want to be heavily, harshly critical of a guy who misses a penalty. All players, the best players miss penalties. Henrik Larson missed penalties. Roberto Baggio missed a penalty. Lionel Messi's missed penalties against Joe Hart, no less. It happens in football, but it's a huge opportunity 
and we've not taken it. No, and I think missing penalties, like you say, is part of the game. I just don't get the thought process. If you're going down the middle, then smash it down the middle. Mm. You know, it, there's no, it's not that difficult to hit the ball hard and straight. I get if you're trying to find the corner, you've got to be a bit more careful and you've got to take a bit of power off it. But he didn't do that. He went to go down the middle. And it, if he's waiting for, if he's doing the whole having a look to see where Clark's moving to, then he wouldn't put it down the middle, he would just roll it to the side. So I don't know why, if you're going down the middle, he doesn't hit it with some degree of power and give the goalkeeper no chance to, to save it. And it's just, I thought it was poor. And, and when that when we missed it, I thought, no, it's going to be one of those days, really, because at Tynecastle things, they, 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 get a, they get a buzz off that. You know, they, they got a positivity that we should be 1-0 up and, and we blew it. And they, they, you know, and obviously what happened a couple of minutes later, obviously then changes the whole game in its entirety. Yeah, and it's it's early in the game, so it's thirteen minutes we get and miss the penalty, and then it's sixteen minutes with Yang sending off. Um, as I said, we dead easy to come on here and go refs far all that kind of stuff. But all that said, if that is a sending off, Brido, game's a bogey. There was there was different chat maybe at half-time or whatever on Twitter and the likes, and some folks saying, well, we'd be screaming for a red card. No, you wouldn't. See, if you're a football person in any way, if you either know football through watching it all your life or you've played at any any level of football, kids, amateur football, if you've played ball or watched ball, that's not a sending off and you'd never be calling for it. Um, it's, a, it's a flick of the boot. But th- th- there's a thing, you know, I'd like to know the interpretation of it from the, the VAR ref. Is it endangering an opponent? You know, is it reckless? I'm not sure it's either of those, you know, and, and this is where it becomes subjective. But there's also a thing where the referee, Don Robertson, he deals with that at the time, right? He sees it in play. He, see, he sees what goes on. He's pretty close to it. Yellow card. And yellow card for me is absolutely the right decision, right? You take a yellow card and everybody moves on from that. VAR is meant to come into play where there's a clear and obvious error by the referee, i.e. he's missed it or he's not seen an element of the tackle or, or whatever it may be. But VAR's got involved here when the referee has dealt with the incident. You know, he's flashed the red, he's dealt with it and, and we're all ready to move on. And what you've got today is a situation where Don Robertson was the referee in inverted commas. I don't think Don Robertson refereed that game for the most part, certainly when it came to the key decisions. And actually, if, I, if I'm being feeling really generous, Brydon, I'm not sure if I do. I feel sorry for Don Robertson and any of the other refs in that, those positions because he's making all these calls in play like all refs should, like you're trained to do, like you've done all your refereeing career. And then you've got the voice in your ear saying, aye, there's a, there's a wee niggly thing, hold on, we need to check this. And before you know it, the, you know, the, the VAR takes over and you've got so so Yang plays 15 minutes. He misses effectively the full game, give or take, because of a flick of his boot. And then you get various robust tackles all across the park. Let, let's look at the tackle that is it Mackenzie Tate made right at the end there on Alistair Johnson. How in any sort of sense of, of football, just just put the players in neutral strips, take away Celtic Rangers, Hearts, yeah. whatever, and get somebody to watch tackle one from Yang. Tackle two from Mackenzie Tate and say, what one of them deserves to go off? What one of them makes the game better or worse if those kind of tackles are encouraged? And it's his all day long. He's gone in late when Alistair Johnson's off balance, whereas Yang tries to flick a ball over ahead and he goes off. It cannot make any sense. It's sore for us today because it's gone against Celtic, but it's gone against everybody. 
there's all sorts of teams, you know, experiencing poor decisions. I think St. Martin had, had a bad one earlier on in the season. And, you know, as I say, you know, we, we're obviously covering this from a Celtic angle, but just as a football fan, it's draining the life out of the game. Penalties that aren't penalties, reds that aren't reds, finding reasons to chop off goals that shouldn't be chopped off. Goals are what football are all about. And VAR has basically come in to say, can we make less goals in football? Can we find a reason to, to take goals away from teams and fans? I, I, I can't get on board with it, Brido. So for us today, but there's a bigger picture thing at play. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the standard of refereeing in our country is abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. And what do you do if you add ex- an extra official at Ivar with another abysmal take on things? You're just gonna you're just it's just gonna get even worse. That that decision um see see after the penalty was missed, sometimes you just get these wee feelings and you're like, oh no, this is that why are they taking so long? Why are they taking so long? And then you're thinking, they're gonna do something here. Then you watch and you're like, ah sh- nah, surely not. Surely not. I don't feel sorry for Don Robertson. I know what you mean, but I don't feel sorry for him. He can still go to the video and look at it and go, nah, you're off your head, John Beaton. Listen, John, let's not make it too obvious here. You know, like, it's not a red card. Because it's not a red card. To send somebody off the field to play has to be quite a big thing, I think. You know, you have to be really looking to deliberately try and do something to hurt somebody. You get innocuous ones where you have sympathy for players, but if, they, if their foot's too high and it catches a player high or whatever, we've seen these ones, particularly down south, where the players try to protect the ball and goes over the ball and catches the defending player on the shin or whatever. And they go down. You feel sorry for players in that sense. Um, this one's not even like that. I mean, I, I would hop back to... Do you remember the, the Aberdeen defender? Absolutely crucified Kyogo. Remember when he went through the back of him and he was knocked out before he hits the ground? That wasn't even yeah. a foul. Yeah. That wasn't even a foul. He didn't crack the boy's skull. He had no right to go for the ball. He was never winning it. He smashes into him, knowing that, again, like you said, then he's played football, watched football for long enough, knowing that Kyogo's just going to flick it on and the game moves on. It's, it's in a nothing area of the park for anybody. And he's absolutely done him to, to put the ball out for a goal kick and just, and smashed his head, knocked him out. That wasn't even a foul. So the levels of, you know, if that's not even a foul, how can that be a red card? That's the highest point. It's madness. And it ruined it ruined what's normally a good game. I mean it's normally a good game. It ruined it ruined the game, certainly from from our perspective. Um but you know, I'm I'll I'll say that because that's exactly how I feel about it, but I'm not using that as an excuse today. Um I feel unfair we could still do a lot more in the game. Yeah. But decisions like that are just can't Kevin Clancy gave a penalty to Hearts uh, midweek. Now I can see why maybe he thinks it's a penalty, right, initially. But then he goes and looks, he looks at it on a video and he still gives a penalty for it. That's telling you that the, the, the way they think about the decisions is completely so far away from where we are as fans, supporters, players. Madness. Shankland, I just caught the, his interview there and he was asked about it. And he said, from my view, I thought it was really harsh. Um, and... That's a professional player who's got a benefit from it. But he's saying, yeah, I think that was pretty harsh. Um, and ultimately, you know, we've missed an opportunity. And that was a big, big, massive part of it. But I do think that we could have still done more to certainly not even lo- to not lose the game. 
Yeah, there's there's definitely there's, there's a long part of the game that goes. I say sixteen minutes in when that happens, and there's a long way to to get a foothold back in the game. What I would say though, from a, a Celtic point of view, is that it, it completely changes how you approach the game. Apart from anything else, you know, we're talking pre-match. Yang all of a sudden is a man in form, high in confidence, probably picked up. Albeit he's not been at Celtic long, but the best form in his, his short Celtic career so far. He's an absolute outball for us today. He's a he'll have been a huge part of the prep all week, and then you come into a game and we're, and we're already Callum McGregor down, and we know that. Um, and then you lose Yang, and it just completely changes everything that you can do. It means that your midfield three, Callum, uh, Matt O'Reilly in particular, is just having to do the work of two men, and it, it really stretches things. As I said, it nullifies our press. It makes it easier for Hearts to press. And you might have heard it in commentary, but it's something that you'll certainly be aware of, Brido. When you've got 11 v 10, your big advantage is your width and how often you can stretch your opposition by switching it and just, you know, pulling them into the left and going out to the right, pulling them to the right and going out to the left. And that's how to play 11 v 10. And I thought Hearts, you know, started to do that pretty well. I can make my peace with Adam either or anybody missing a penalty because you think, okay, that's fine, we'll get other chances. But once the, the sending off happens, you know it's going to be a long afternoon and kind of played out almost as you'd expect it to do so. Yeah, it did. I just thought we were, and not all, not the whole game, but just far, far too many large parts of the game. I just thought we were too passive. You know, I, I get to get to half time maybe. You know, um, they put Maida up front next to Ida, which was fine. But then it, they're causing a bit of problems, like you said, out wide. So Maida then got dropped back. We actually scored a decent goal. Um, they got chopped off, obviously, in that period as well. But then made a drop back, which I thought was the right thing to do, 4-4-1. Ida could hold the ball up and then you could try and get Bernardo and O'Reilly to get as close to him as possible. It didn't really work out like that. Um, that's a completely different way to how we normally play, of course, but, you know, we need to adapt. Um, but we just didn't do enough. And, and it was partly down to when we did get the ball, we didn't play the pass forward early enough. But the quality just wasn't there. There's too many players like with bad touches and Taylor had a... I thought he had a shocker, actually. Um, and I didn't think Iwata did the job well. That Beningue made, obviously, he was a bit swamped when we changed the shape. Um, they had a lot more bodies in the middle because O'Reilly and... Well, it was Bernardo at that time. And then, obviously, when Kyogo comes on, that makes it even harder for Iwata and O'Reilly, who were kind of left. And O'Reilly was trying to find the places out wide. So again, it made it hard for a water. So there's maybe a wee bit of sympathy there. But there was times, nobody, no pressure. He's got the ball on the left-hand side for the left-back. We've done a really good wee move to break it up, to get out the press. And he puts it out the park. And it's, yeah. I, know it's not, I know it's not massive, and I know it's not game-changing, but that happened far too often, which then just didn't allow us to build up sustained attacks enough. Hearts are not great at the back. You know they're not great. I was talking to two Hearts fans yesterday, and they were they were really worried. They thought that we were we were kind of we were starting to brim with confidence, and we were scoring a lot of goals. Um, and they thought that either would cause them a lot of problems. I thought he had a really good game. I thought he had a good game. Uh, but those that I could say had a good game are probably few and far between. In that, you know, we weren't in their face. You know, we weren't. You know, we didn't grab it by the, the scruff of the neck. And even with 10 men, you can still do that. You know, get them get them involved in a bit of a fight. Get one of their players sent off, do whatever. I just don't think we laid a glove on them, really. And I think that that's a, that's a regret. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. And there's a, there's a comment here from, sorry, not Jim Urban, from Colin Stewart. 
And he's basically saying, when we went a man down, the attitude and ability of some of our players was disappointing. And I've got to agree with that. Yes, you go down, you know, to 10 men and it's frustrating and you know you're up against it. You need to respond to it. I find it hard on one hand to criticise the team because you know that you're on a real tough afternoon when that happens. But I also think you need to see something. You need to see a reaction. You need to see a roll the sleeves up type. Okay, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down fighting. And I don't think we went down scrapping, Brad. I'd, I'd have to say that. Um, there's a few players we've got to cover. And I think Tomoki is, you know, certainly a guy that's been in the conversation in the last week or so, given his impact on the, the first team. I'm a big fan. I think he's a talented guy. But he got caught several times today. And we can get excited when guys are, guys are doing well. And we're right to do so. And I'm, I'm not going to listen to folks saying, oh, don't get carried away and all that stuff. If a guy's played well and you've enjoyed it, you can, you can call it out and that's absolutely fine. I think he's a talented player, but he's he's been off it today. He'll learn from today, but unfortunately he's had to learn you know, during a game where Celtic have failed to pick up the win because he was slack. We'll get to Hearts called off goal in a minute, the offside one, but he's daydreaming. There's a real good chance actually for Celtic to break. They're one of the few chances to break and he dreams on it. And it's not been a good day for, for Tomoki Awata at all, but others around him, uh, Maeda struggled again with the technical ability. Um, he does been isolated, tailoring skills, I thought, weren't driving us forward and, you know, various other things. Let's get to the heart school um, and the second penalty of the, of the afternoon. You might have seen some of the stuff Bridal shared around Twitter about the interpretation of the rules. I, I'll maybe dig them out while you're responding here, but what was your take, first of all? Nobody in Tynecastle was claiming for a penalty, apart from John Beaton. He probably had his hand up in the bar room thinking, hold on a minute, ref, or hold on, I am the ref. We can do something here. I, I again, this isn't Sir Grapes because it's Celtic. But if that's penalties and Yang sending off as a sending off, then where is the game going at all? Um, I can't believe they've, they've found a way to make that a penalty kick. It's just mind-boggling, mate. To be honest, I mean, uh, I seen the Rangers manager talking about it midweek. He said far too much to say, but some of the stuff he says is actually legitimate. Um, I seen the the highlights of their game, and their game was the same. You know. There's a handball given against Rangers, and then there's two not given for them. The bit just didn't make sense. Don Robertson was the was the referee when the very first VAR was there at Tynecastle, I believe, right. and that was the handball that he gave against Greg Taylor, I think it was, but he didn't give it against the the boy at the right back, Michael Smith, which is who moves his hand to the ball and then panics and then tries to chop his arm off. That challenge, so again. I hate harping back to if you've played football or whatever, but we all need to understand that part. There's hustling and there's bustling. So if you're to stand still, yeah, okay, your arms would be at your side. But it's not table football. <laughs> we can't, we can't, they're not rigid. It's like they need to move about. Not only that, if somebody's barsed into your back, which, okay, was your own player, Johnson, they're challenging for the ball at a cross ball. It's going to happen. There's far bigger fouls happen that don't even get looked at then the ball bouncing off the back of somebody's arm who's facing the other way. I mean, it's absolutely ludicrous that they they, they don't see it because there's so many bodies. But then to go and bring that back, like to, to get a penalty, you're essentially saying to another team, the foul that was given stopped you getting a goal. That's what happens. You get a penalty, you're essentially giving a team a goal. Mm. Are you telling me that, that that's worthy of giving Hearts a goal? That, 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 it's not even a challenge, it's nothing. There's nothing in it. And to, to, to give that, 
it just reeks of incompetence at best, by the way. Incompetence at best. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's madness. It's madness. Mad. You, you, you've spoken there about for a red card, Brido. Generally speaking, <laughs> in football, and you know, when they're making up the rules of football and talking about what would constitute a red card and what, what it should be a penalty, it should be pretty serious for somebody to get a red card to eject somebody from the game to say there's 22 players here and we're taking one of them out. It should be something pretty serious, right? Just as an overarching mindset to, to why someone should be ejected from the game, to use that American sounding terminology. And for a penalty kick, maybe it doesn't have to be equally serious, but it should be something which is a notable um, prevention of a goal-scoring opportunity in the box. You know, completely accidental, couldn't do it if you tried handballs when the ball's falling out the sky on the edge of the box in a busy area. If that is a penalty, then we're absolutely snookered. There's a a, a ruling, so the ruling from IFAB has been doing the rounds there on Twitter since the, the penalty was given. So it says here on IFAB's site, what happens if a player is hit on the hand or arm by a ball from a teammate's kick or header. So if you're looking at the ball coming off Alistair Johnson or whatever it yeah. came and it's landed on Tomoki Awata's arm. Response to that is this is not a handball unless the ball goes directly into the opponent's goal or the player scores immediately afterwards, in which case a direct free kick is awarded to the other team. And the problem with some of the rules doing the rounds is they become subjective and then they... It's almost like... the and, and I'm not saying... John beating v Celtic or any ref v Celtic. It's almost like all of our refs are some shockers down south as well. It's almost like all of our guys are going, mm, we can't get them in that wee technicality. What about rule 36, John? Have you checked rule 36? Aye, right, we'll try that. And it's like they're handpicking various reasons to, to give all these just spurious penalty kicks. I've not heard Brendan Rodgers' comments. You know, we've obviously just come live on to it. Um, but he or any other football guy... Can't be happy with that. You're happy when you get the benefit, and Stephen A. Smith will be happy with that this afternoon. If he loses a similar one next week, he's cracking up. So you can't, you've got to take it off with the smooth and all that stuff the way it is. But actually, I'd far rather if more football guys got together and at the top of the game there was a think tank. I believe there is a thing at the top of the game where you've got various ex pros. Is Larson involved? There's various ex Italians and different things helping, inverted commas, make, make the rulings better. But ultimately, they're not getting them better because you can't tell me. Football as a game has been better since the introduction of all these crazy rules. Anyway, do you know what? I'm spending too much time on Varbrido. Hearts get the penalty, Hearts score the penalty, and we're climbing a mountain. It's very nearly 2 and a lot half time with that offside goal, and that is margins as well, by the way, but it is offside if you're, you know, that's binary. That's yes or no. You draw the lines, it's off or it's not. You're not asking for somebody's opinion. But we go in 1-0 down. How are you feeling at that point? You know, you and I messaged... I'm still hopeful at that point that Celtic can go in and regroup. 2-0, tall order. 1-0, OK. Let's reset. Let's see where we are. Let's make some tactical tweaks. But how are you feeling in general about what lay ahead in the second half? Yeah, it was... Uh, the interesting fact there was that I knew we had players on the bench that could perhaps come on and do something, Kyogo being one of them. I just felt that change was made a bit early, I think. Um, but at the time, I felt, you know what... That goal getting chopped off, we still had a shout. Um, other things can happen in the game. We can be red cards for a Hearts player or whatever before you know it. But my, my main feeling was, you know, don't lose the game. Just don't lose the game. Uh, and we still had a, a big shout to not lose the game. Our players were are good enough, I think, um, to, to certainly get a goal against Hearts and not concede. Uh, but ultimately, we, we didn't and couldn't do that. So... Um, 
yeah, it's. I, I felt okay at half time. Obviously frustrated and angry, but when Kyogo came on, I thought, right, okay, let's let's okay, we're giving it a go quite early, which you're kind of all right, but it just didn't. Like I said earlier, it didn't give us a. We lost we lost the midfield battle pretty pretty early on, and we were, like I said, feeding off scraps. Yeah, do you know I understand the thinking about giving you an extra option up front, and and Kyogo did have an impact to an extent, and him and Ida linked up at different times. But ultimately, you're sacrificing your midfield. We were already late in midfield. I was clearly struggling and, and feeling the pressure of that. Bernardo, actually, I've, I've not really mentioned him. He'd kind of a nothing game for me, Brido. Just didn't have any impact. Didn't have any bearing on the game. And this is a guy who's had to kick his heels the last few weeks. And I think the guy's a talent. And I think, you know, we'll need to look at where we're at come summer. But he's some, somebody we should consider signing. But he's got to bring something more to the party when he does get the opportunities. Opportunities at Celtic should be few and far between. It shouldn't be a given to get minutes in a Celtic shirt. And there's a situation where Callum McGregor, your captain, misses out, and all of a sudden he's cast into the team. He's got to do more, but he's he's failed in that front, and he's the one that's replaced at half time. So yeah, I understand the Kyogo move, but maybe that's when you keep in your locker for the last half hour. You try and you know bed your way back into the game, show yourself as a wee bit more robust and see if you can catch something later on in proceedings. But the midfield was really, really stretched. And as I said earlier, we just we actually couldn't get out our own half, generally speaking, let alone have an impact at the, the final third. Yeah, yeah, I think... Um, you're right about Bernard. I think he... Yeah. Don't get me wrong, after 15 minutes, they're out of 10 minutes, so it's quite difficult for them in there to, to impact the game as much as they would with 11 men. So it's hard to kind of judge, but the games change all the time. So... You know things happen in game. You need to have the ability to to deal with that, and the and if the game or the tactics change, then you've got to have the ability to to deal with that too. When the game passes you by and you're not involving yourself in the game, then either one you don't want to and you're hiding, or two maybe you're, you've not got the ability to read the game and see that and do that, or three you're being sacrificed by the manager to do a job and perhaps you're not involved in the game. Either way, you've got to you've got to do something productive for the team. Um, whether it's running harder, whether it's winning big tackles, headers, free kicks up up in the other half to to buy us some some uh, territory in their half, that type of thing. Yeah, do something. But you're right, that was his chance to do that today, and I think we really, really, really missed our captain uh, massively, especially when we we're down to ten men. Yeah, do you know I done the pre-match. Uh, what day is this? Sunday on Friday. Done the pre-match on Friday uh, with Paddy. And we knew at that point that Callum McGregor was struggling and it, it was looking in all likelihood that he wasn't going to make it. So we, you know, we kind of discussed what the team was going to look like. I think, I think to a man we called it spot on, which is no rocket science based on the options we had available. And I suggested that I thought, yes, no doubt it's a, it's a blow losing Callum McGregor, but there should have been enough in that midfield with experienced guys like, you know, Matt O'Reilly, Carla Vickers taking the armband, Joe Hart at the back, Greg Taylor back in. Alistair Johnson finding a bit of form. There was enough leaders back in the team for me to feel less worried about it. Um, and hindsight's a great thing, eh? But I think you're right. You can see that there was a chips-down situation for Celtic. Who's going to grab it with a scruff of the neck, rally the teammates, reassure them as well. Callum McGregor's been there and done it. He's been to Tynecastle when your goal's behind. He's been in, in all of these places. He's been in these environments, whereas some of his teammates haven't. Bernardo's not experienced it. Um, it's, it's even new for guys like Adam Eda and Tomoko Iwata and, and various others. 
And I think we did miss his leadership there. And that's the thing, you know, for Celtic, we've asked the question at times, should Callum McGregor be dropped, rested, whatever term you want to use. And it's always debated back and forward. But the additional element is it's not just what he's providing as a player. He's the captain. He's the captain for a reason. And yeah, as a worrying sign though, if you can't adjust without him, is it not? Yeah, I mean, well, it's definitely worrying. And but the thing that it's quite a hard thing to deal with because if you're signing players that are the, have the quality to come in and we don't miss Callum McGregor, then you know we need to spend a fair whack of money on them, and we just won't do that for a player who predominantly won't play. So um, it's it's difficult for us to do that. Um, I think for one or two games, I think the record, you know, I think you said we've won the last 10 games without him, but I don't know who they're against. Um, but I believe we've won the last 10 that he didn't play. Um, but it was different today. I don't think, I don't remember any big games like Tynecast or Ibrox when he wasn't there. So, yeah, you're right. He's done it, been there, um, led the team. I was part of a, a kind of experienced team, even the game at Ibrox that we all famously enjoyed when Eduard banged it in. But, it is a bit of a concern that the players that came in today, and again, I stress that it is hard to judge when you're 10 versus 11, but you can still do more. And and those players, and Iwata had that job to do. We gave him the praise the other day, the last couple of games, which was fair. But just that getting caught in the ball uh, that, that led to the disallowed goal, Kind of, that's the concern. Yeah, that's the concern about Iwata. That is it right there. Physically good. His his attributions attributes are quite good. You know, his energy's there. He, he, but I watched him quite closely after that, and he didn't really demand the ball from the centre halves enough. He didn't want to to to. He he was the one that had to take it by the scruff of the neck to to say, "It's all right. I'll do an extra bit of running." I'll get involved. I'll take it with a man right up my up my my jacks if you want. I'll do that, no problem. But everybody else needs to kind of go with me on it. And he didn't do it. Hayden might be a bit a bit too much. Maybe he wasn't hiding for the deliberately or whatever. But he certainly didn't back himself to be that person today. And and ultimately at Tyne Castle against a, a half decent side, the ten men, you need everybody. And I felt we didn't. We had actually as many passengers as we did the other way. So non-passengers. Um, non I don't think. Uh, I agree. I don't think it was hiding, but he went into his shell. You know, yeah. he, the anxiety crept in, and he, and he, and he clammed up a wee bit. Um, and as I say, I think over the piece, he's a talented guy. I think he can do a really good job for Celtic, but he'll need to improve on things like today. You know, that that's the challenge. Some people are saying, "Ah, oh, you're getting a bit carried away. It's only Dundee." And I fully accepted both things can be true. He was excellent against Dundee, but there's also bigger challenges around the corner. Both of those things can be true. So, there's, you know, you, you don't need to be criticising a guy because it was only Dundee. He played well. You can only play what's in front of you. But how do you adapt to the next challenge? And there's no doubt whether it's 11 v 10 or 11 v 11, Tyne Castle was a different challenge. And you'd have to say he didn't pass that test today. And likewise, you know, because Celtic are a man short, that's not a reason why he dilly-dallies in the ball. That shouldn't affect him dilly-dallying. It's not a reason why Maeda's letting the ball run under his studs. Liam Scales letting it run under, under his studs in the last five minutes when you're chasing a winner. Callum McGregor, eh, Greg Taylor, you know, the ball bouncing off him at times. It doesn't matter what's going on before. 
you as a footballer should be capable of doing some of these basic things better. And that's where the frustration comes in. And that's where I think we've got to find the balance here between being too critical. My, my balance is that you cannot be overly critical of Celtic today based on the fact that from 16 minutes in, you're climbing an absolute mountain there. But you can criticise to an extent where there's other things. You, you might have done the other things well and still get beat. And that, that's a frustration, you know, we, we'll never know. But we then, you know, following the sending off, just didn't manage to get to grips with anything at all. And again, you know, you're going it's to, it's a title race, it's a now nine games to go situation. And I don't think we we pressed enough at, at any stage in the game. But I know the, the second goal obviously kills it. Um, it's Shankland that gets it. And again, it's a wee bit scrappy in the box. I've not watched it back. I've not seen many replays of it apart from at the time. Is it a bit slack all around? Is Taylor a bit slack in the first instance before it breaks to Shankland? What do you think? I think he's just... The boy's actually slipped and then it's spun off. He's, he's kicked it and he's fell. And it's, 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 fell to, it's fell to Shankland in the best way possible. Just slightly, slightly off the ground. He can just... Fizz that into the bottom corner, and it's fell to the one player in their team that could do that. Mm. So there's probably a bit of misfortune there as well. Like we said, the shape does change. There's a lot of running in there. If you think about that, that I wouldn't mind seeing the amount of miles that Matt O'Reilly covered today. I felt like he was the one player that, not just the only one, but I'd say definitely get past marks in regards to his effort. Um, he seemed to always be the one that wanted the ball. Uh, so if you think in that midfield, essentially that's where they're going to break, and it breaks to the edge of the box, and and Shankland tucks it away. I just think when you're chasing it with ten men, perhaps you leave gaps. They get a bit lucky. We defend it okay in the end, but I think it's actually Carter Vickers who's actually with Shankland initially. And when the ball goes to the other player, slips, he falls, but Carter Vickers not expecting it to slip and fall and pass it back and. Yeah. He's now he's standing free at the edge of the box in a perfect position, really. So these things happen in the games. Shankland took it. Ida didn't take their half chances when we got one when it bounced off their defender. Big moments in the game. And Shankland's one of the top finishers uh, in the country. He scores it and our player doesn't. Uh, they scored a penalty, our player doesn't. And that's the things you can maybe go away from the, 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 the officials and VAR and stuff. They did it when they had to do it today, and we didn't do it. And uh, ultimately, that's what we're going to be judged on at the end of the season. Did we take enough of the big moments in the big games? And um, we've got some absolute massive games coming up, and we need to make sure we do. Yeah, and you know, you're spot on with that point. There's there's things that we're in our gift today to do better, and we've fallen short. And the individuals involved, whether it's Adam Eder with the penalty, Awata with his performance, and anyone else that wants to look look in the mirror after that game. There's definitely things they can improve on and I hope they've got the character to take on the chin, you know, and move on from it. Um, there's not much else to cover in terms of the game itself, Bridal, but I'll bring up a comment from Joseph Agnew and hello to Joseph. He's a big follower of the show. He always comments. And he says, you know, he highlights that Brendan Rodgers only used two subs and questions why. And it's a, it's a really valid point. Your guys are tired. You're chasing the game from 16 minutes in and yet it's only Kyogo that comes on at half time, and then young Daniel Kelly for a batter a bit later on. Fresh legs could certainly have helped, I, I would think. Brian, I'm a defender of Rodgers. I don't need to repeat it here. Anyone that listens knows that I'm a fan of what he brings. But you'd have to say there's there's got to be a good argument for fresh legs, at least in the last 20 minutes, half an hour, given you've chased the game for most of it. Yeah, I, do you know something? 
maybe like you, I didn't even, I didn't even clock that. I probably should have for doing a, a review of a game or a podcast, but I never even know. I didn't really uh, register with me. Uh, do you know probably why? Because in the game, it was just, it wasn't much I was thinking, oh, he could come on and do something, or he could come on and do something. I wasn't thinking that. That's probably says more about the players on the bench. The only one I was thinking about did come on, and that was a young boy, Kelly. Uh, why does he not use them? I said, I don't know. I really don't know. I'd like somebody to ask him. Um, your players, especially the likes of O'Reilly and things. Um, aye, that's bizarre. I've never, I never gave it a thought, so I don't really have an answer, to be honest with you. I just... Now I'm thinking about it, why wouldn't we do that? Well, the only thing I can think is he doesn't think the players would have uh, added to that system that he had at that time, which clearly wasn't working because we hadn't scored. So, I'll, um, I'll give you I'll give you a get-out, given that you had a lot on your mind at the time. You've, you've had a lot to think about over the last hour and a half or so. Um, but there are options, or there were options on the bench that you can debate them, but could have had an impact. You've got Nicholas Kuhn now. I don't think he's done well for Celtic at all so far, but he's got pace. And if you're looking for a roll of the dice, a Hail Mary, call it what you want, then he might have been an option. Louis Palmer's similar. He's been off for him, but we know he's got talent. We know he's got something to offer. And maybe to a lesser extent, Odin Tiago Home, who we know can be quite lively in and around the midfield. But yeah, it's a good question from Joseph. Thanks for, for chipping in with it because that is a que- question you, you've got to ask of the manager. You know, you can't. You can't, uh, it's not Brendan Rodgers' fault the sending off happened and other things, but it's in his gift again. You know, as I say, either had the, the option of the penalty, different players have had the option in terms of how they play. Rodgers has had the option in terms of making some changes, which for his own reasons he, he's not gone with. So so that's where we find ourselves. But either let's move away from the game. You'll be delighted to hear we can stick that in the bin. That one's done. It's now nine games to go. We are where we were um, before the weekend. You, you know, give or take, this is a position we're in. You and I spoke after the Dundee game, and I'm paraphrasing you here, but you said something along the lines of, we'll get to this weekend, Rangers won't drop points, I expect Celtic will go and win at Hearts, and we'll be two points in it still, and we can still go to Ibrox and you know and impact things from that point of view. You highlighted, Brido, on, when was that, Thursday we spoke, that Celtic's running is slightly more favourable, and I suppose, listen, you can get doom and gloom about a game like today if you want, and I can understand that. I'm okay with it. I mean, I... I get seriously pissed off at different times, but I'm okay with this one today because I can see there's a bigger picture here and that we've not blown it at this moment in time. Yes, it was a huge opportunity and yes, it's sore that we never took it, but this title is there for the taking and ultimately it's still in Celtic's own hands. We're not requiring snookers. We don't need Rangers to go and lose to other teams. We can go and have that impact. We've got Rangers to play twice and it's within our gift to do so. But where are you at, generally speaking, bigger picture, um, and what do you think about our revised hopes for the title? I just think it's a real, real chance missed today. Obviously, that goes without saying, because to go a point ahead, what that does is, if it was to stay the same before we play at Ibrox, even if we get beat at, at Ibrox, we've still got the Celtic Park um, to kind of balance that out. And that the pressure on them at Ibrox is massive if we're a point ahead. Massive, because they know if they don't win that game, that's that. Well, some might think it's done. So that's that's, you know, that would have been the the best situation uh, sitting here just now, after matching their result and getting beat. 
and it is what it is, then they'll stand by exactly what I said on Thursday. Then you know it's uh, there's one fewer, <laughs> there's a f- one less game though. You know it's like it's it's getting closer and closer, um, and there's less room for error. And I don't think there's much room for error at all now, really. Um, but we it's an opportunity missed, and we won't get many more. And we need to make sure that we pounce on that. Stuff happened, makes it harder. But we need we, we both in game and then as a team, you know, we need to take those big moments in the games when they come, especially our forward thinking players. They have to score those goals. They have to score the penalties. They have to take those half chances when it's going to, when it's going against us. And as a team, as a club, collectively, we need to make sure that we we do what we need to do, no matter how hard it is. And there'll be some question marks that some fans have got over that today. Do they have the bottle and stuff? I think they do. Um, personally, I think they do. Um, but today just wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah, I was looking away from that and. 100% it's an opportunity lost and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to dress up as anything but that but the bottom line is it's still in our hands um, there's a comment from Kevy Boy in the comments who said there was no room for error before the game FFS so read that as it is of course there was room for error because we did error we lost the game and we're still in it so it's not like today was the last chance saloon but I get the bigger picture you know as I say it's a sore one you know there's, there's no there's no join going to a place particularly hearts actually if I'm being frank about it um, but Celtic now have to pick themselves up Brido you can do one or two things you can feel sorry for yourself and say oh woulda coulda shoulda opportunity lost what is me what is us what are we going to do or you can actually go and do something about it as players as fans as whatever defeated stuff won't get you anywhere thrown in the towel at any stage won't get you anywhere and Celtic are well well in this race but it's now up to Brendan Rodgers and the players to to regroup and motivate, you know, they've got a cup game now, so we've got Livy next weekend, haven't we? And actually, after a result, result like today, you'd be keen to crack right back onto the league stuff, but it is what it is. You know, the Scottish Cup's obviously got its part to play. But what do you think the message is now, Brido? So they'll, they'll be back at Lennox Town tomorrow, I presume. What do you think the message is from Rodgers and the players? How do you think they'll be feeling? And what do you think the approach will be in the, the few days ahead? That if we're going to win the league, we're not going to get any help off anybody else. We've got to do it ourselves. That siege mentality, if you like. Nobody's going to help. They're going to try and trip us up wherever we can. Whether that's true or not, that's what I'd be telling the players. Everybody's going to, everyone's going to take great joy if you don't win. Everybody likes to laugh at us when we don't win or we get beat. They want to criticise wherever they can. They want to have a go at the manager for saying certain things. They want to do this, they want to do that. Continuously, they want to do that and create a negative uh, vibe or agenda about what we're trying to do. So therefore, the only way to beat anything like that is just to get it right up them and basically and go and you need if you don't I said this a few months ago a few weeks ago if you can't win by playing well you need to fight you need to be in a dog fight you need to batter the person in front of you and get the result and we just lack that today and that 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 is a concern though that is a concern that we didn't do that in that big moment but, but that's the message the message is. If you're having a poor game, just keep running. Keep running, keep pulling, keep shoving, keep grabbing. It'll come. We've got good players around you if you're having a bad day. But you can't just be like, give up. And I think some players gave up on themselves. Not necessarily gave up, or I don't I don't care. They gave up doing the things that make us successful or have shown us to be successful. And that is forward passes, aggression in our play, 
press him as high, hard and as high up as we possibly can. And we didn't do that. There's too many of them didn't do that today. And we needed everybody. We need we did it ten men. We needed absolutely everybody to do it. In fact, we needed it eleven v eleven. Yeah. So we certainly needed it when uh, that if you could give extra, give it. Players that can run faster and harder do it. Maida, you know, to be fair, the boy's feet hopeless. But you know, if I've got talking about running and energy, then he did it. O'Reilly did it. Ida did it. You know, but in the big moments, we can't let it happen. Uh, so when somebody says there's no room for error before, well, like you said, yeah, there was, but there's not much now, if there if any. So yeah. that's the pressure. The pressure's on now, mate. I'd agree with that. And and Kevy boy makes a good point, but there's there's to your point there, Bido, we're certainly running out of games and running out of mistakes that we can make. Nine games to go. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we had the conversation with 13 games to go, given it the whole 13 cup finals, lads. And then it was uh, 12, 11, t- nine cup finals, lads. And this is where we find ourselves. So we'll just, that, need, we'll need <laughs> to just keep revising. Football's a movable feast, Brido. Things change week on week, game on game, and that's just where we find ourselves. Brian, thanks for joining us today, particularly on a Sunday. Thanks to everyone. I'm saying everyone. Thanks to most folk in the chat. Some absolute wallopers from the other side of town in the chat, but that's up to them. Clearly not got much better to do with their afternoon. But thanks to the, the decent-minded folk that have joined us there. Thanks, of course, to everyone that continues to listen on the podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow, Monday night, with the Celtic Exchange Weekly, as always. But in the meantime, as best you can, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Podcast Network.